Blog Talk Radio. Can they interact with this reality? Is it all just bogus? 
So this is things we're going to be getting into. But before we get into everything, visit the website, myastrologycoach.com. Of course, click on the events tab. We are in um, New Orleans for the spring equinox in March. Registration is now on the deadline. It's actually in February next month to actually just register um, for the trip. It's going to be phenomenal. We're doing a big, easy magic tour. We're going to do something totally different a little bit where uh, Saturday we're just going to kick it all day in New Orleans and just go sightseeing, go on a tour. And then um, um, Sunday I'm going to take you to a special location a couple hours away to show you an ancient observatory that was built right here on this land and uh, where the ancients were getting it in at right here, phenomenal place, man. So I'm going to show you the um, spiritual significance of New Orleans and why that place has been termed the magic city, all right? So definitely um, get with us on that. Also, if you're in the Midwest area, you can make it down to Ohio, man. Get there February 16th and the 23rd. We'll be at Ngozi's. Um, and for more information on that, man, you can just call my man D-Lo at 614-202-4512. That's February 16th and 23rd. Myself, the Prime Minister, uh, will be in Columbus, Ohio. On the 23rd, Eileen Bay is in town. I actually opened up for him. He'll be dealing with the laws of attraction, the science of manifestation. I'll be dealing with the seven bodies of light, showing you how the law of attraction that he's talking about is actually your aura. Once you can identify the color, you can identify um, the characteristics of your aura and how to tap into that law of attraction that you um, emanate from your own soul. All right, talking about your light body, talking about your aura, talking about your chakras. All right, anybody that know me, you know. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, I'm Noble Ampu Galileo. You can um, you see every now and then I will get on the aura chakra machine and put my own auras and chakras out there on Front Street to see how I'm vibrating. And um, needless to say, it took some hard work. This last time I did it a few days ago, it took me about 45 minutes um, to get everything spinning. But nevertheless, I'll show you how to, um, you know, just show you how to go from a selling aura past, you know, slash chakras to get up to a passing grade and whatnot. And some qigong techniques that I um, that I do. Um, that enhances the overall chi or energy flow of my body and whatnot. So that will be available on February 16th and the 23rd. The 16th is more of the Jewish ransom on black power. I'm going to get inside of that and show you the significance of understanding the heavens and what you must do um, during these intervals called holidays, things of that nature, and um, why you perceive um, the Jewish um, people are this hidden uh, Illuminati, all-powerful group, and has everything to do with what you call African spirituality, all right? So that's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal thing, February 16th, and like I said, again, on the 23rd. So we pretty much booked out, man, and, um, you know, just, again, just visit the website, uh, myastrologycoach.com, to stay abreast with us. Also, tune in every Wednesday morning. I think Wednesday morning is at 8 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, all right? Uh, Sister Brittany is up doing the show. Keisha is here on Tuesdays doing Tarot Tuesdays. Um, I believe that's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then even on Saturdays, we have uh, Sister Casilda's up on Conversations of Virtue. So the only thing you have to do is just go to MyAstrologyCoach.com, click on the radio tab to get the schedule because um, we load it, man. We load it. So with that, man, I'll pass it to the Prime Minister, see if he got any announcements. Peace, peace to the family. Thank you all for coming out. This Thursday evening to join us for the three wise men. I certainly appreciate it. Glad to be in the presence of 
uh, these two wonderful brothers, man, the Sheikh and Noble. Um, just proud to be here, glad to be here uh, to share this information tonight with the people. Uh, for the most part, uh, get to the website, like the brother said. Uh, we got a lot of events going on. I don't want to be redundant, but I can't stress enough. Uh, get down to New Orleans for this Equinox coming up in March. <laughs> it's going to be high, high energy, high power. You're really going to be getting into some marvelous, marvelous ceremonies dealing with a lot of that energy on that particular grid, okay? So you want to get down there and be a part of that. You don't want to miss it. Uh, this is actually our first time going to Louisiana. We've been many places, uh, Sedona a couple times, Grandfather Mountain, um, Stone Mountain. I mean, you name it, we've been there, all the mountains and the, and the hills and the valleys. We've been there over the last few years, but this is our first time touching the soil down in Louisiana, so I would uh, highly appreciate if y'all get down there with us, man, so we can bring in some of this festive energy together. Um, if you're looking for children's readings or readings in general, just go over to the website and click on Consultations with You. I really enjoy doing the children's readings, though, um, to kind of, you know, because we got to progress and afford it to the youth that's coming up behind us to teach them these sacred sciences and to understand that, uh, you know, it's more than what meets the eye. We have to start to feel like we're the macrocosm instead of the microcosm and know that we are and, and to be full of the universe and full of the light of God and knowing is, um, is a major part of that. So uh, if you have children, you know what I mean, and you're interested in what skills you can develop or cultivating your child, I would suggest that you get over there and you find that on the website if you're interested. Um, be on the lookout for Kanye West on the Midhaven. Uh, it's a DVD that myself and Noble put together a few weeks back. Um, we went to Dreamcatcher Studios down in Ohio and got it in with a beautiful sister down there who has a studio who let us come in there and do the work, you know, the road traveling, getting out, uh, really enjoying ourselves and having fun while creating, um, that's the beauty of it. So you all can be on the lookup out for that. It'll be coming out toward the end of the month. So really in another week or so, we're going to, we're going to send it over to a high-quality production um, team and press those things up just like you get them from out of Walmart, Best Buy. Um, we're going to be the real deal packaging this time, <clears throat> excuse me, this time around. And we're just breaking down, you know, you know it's hip-hop astrology where the stars meet the stars. And, you know, anybody that's been following the work over there, I've been a little dormant because my head has been in the books on, on a few other subjects as of late. But anybody that has been over there, uh, you see how we show and prove the science of astrology and how it's always on time, um, you know what I mean, in regards to people's actions and, and their whereabouts and how things take place. So Kanye's been really going on a on on rant lately. And uh, we just break them down, man, from the heavens all the way down here to the terrestrial plane to show where the connection is at and, and exactly what he's expressing, how it's coming through starlight and how it's, it's really right on time. So it's a real, real powerful DVD, the best hour of edutainment that you can get. Shout out to Turtle Gang, man, for hooking us up uh, on the production and putting together, getting the editing together, man. Highly appreciate your work. Very talented brother. Y'all find that brother, Turtle Gang. No one got his information. Hit him up. Does great work, man. One of the brothers in the community who's 
actually putting forth the effort to make things happen and, and, and strive to uh, put together art. So with that, man, that's all I got to say. If the Sheikh has something he wants to mention, feel free, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings. You know, in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, really the owner of mercy and the owner of graciousness. I always like to say that before I speak, to put it in perspective and keep it in perspective, that whatever I say, it is never me who is speaking. I am praying, meditating, and affirming that I have no existence and that the divine is the only existence. And I can only pray that I am eliminated and that who speaks through me. This week, um, Sunday the 19th, here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> I will be offering a lecture called Universal Spirituality or Enlightenment, the Merger of the Heart, here at the Midtown Scholar Bookstore, um, Midtown Harrisburg, at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Hopefully anybody in the city or in the surrounding area, we have friends coming in from New Jersey, coming in from um, Baltimore, in the surrounding area of Philadelphia, and we're going to have a, a wonderful time talking about the unity of the faith tradition and finding that common thread that unites us all. Reconnecting Pangea spiritually, um, that's the goal. Also on, um, or through Facebook, on my Facebook, the Sanctuary Academy Universal Enlightenment Incorporated page, um, we're offering a class right now. If anybody would like to be in the class, I'm teaching the Pa'us Nataru um, from the uh, um, Islamic sacred science perspective, um, Ma'arik Islam, uh, on, sun, on Saturday night at 10 p.m. If you'd like to join into the class, um, hit me on the page, request me as a friend. I can send you the link where you can get the book online, and you can join in on the class. We're having some beautiful sessions right now that are absolutely phenomenal. And um, my whole perspective on the Pa'ud Nataru or the Tree of Life or the company of the Nataru or the God is not, not just a history lesson. We're talking about operative spirituality and not just speculative spirituality, how to use spirituality in our daily life to operate our lives rather than just pontificate about what happened in the past. One of my pet peeves has always been, um, as spiritual people, we like to talk about the greatness of our ancestors, which is a beautiful thing. We're going to get into that tonight. However, just speaking on that greatness is one thing, but our ancestors blazed the trail for us to follow, and we should not deviate from that trail regardless to whom or what. We need to get back on that sarat, that, that filament, that straight path to get where we need to be. So... Inshallah, uh, it be the will of the divine. That is my announcement for tonight. I look forward to seeing everybody on Sunday at 2 p.m. I look forward to, I look forward to um, everyone joining in on the class, if, that, if, if, if you so choose. As a matter of fact, I'm offering this class right now for free. So if you really would like to get in, um, please message me on Facebook. And that's Milana Sheikh Ahmed Muhammad on Facebook. Thank you. That's it, Noble. It's, it's the ball's in your court, my brother. All right, Prime Minister, do what right. you do, man. You know how we do it. Gemini, Libra, Aquarius, man. So the Gemini's up first. Let's roll. Yeah. Uh.
Hey, man, that's a grand, that's a grand air tribe. <clears throat> but um, wonderful, wonderful blessings, man. Um, well, uh, it was my week to pick the topic of the show. Last week it was the whore and the guru, Noble, uh, put the platform together so that we can have a dialogue about that. It was a wonderful show. Uh, if anybody missed it, try to get in the archives and check it out if it's still there. Uh, and this week, I chose a topic called filial piety. Um, it's just a fancy word for ancestral worship or showing respect to your your, your parental lineage. Okay, uh, I like to choose different words just to educate people on different philosophies and cultures. Um, and this 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 title is coming from the Asian perspective. The Korean and the Chinese is is a term that they use to show respect to their ancestors and their parents. Um, they call it the principle of Yao, Yao, you know what I mean? That's what they call it in their tradition. And basically it's about not being rebellious as a child to your parents, showing love to your parents, displaying courtesy um, to your parents, and carrying out ceremonies even after your ancestors have passed away uh, from this from this dimension and, 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 and has went on to whatever else the creator has to offer them on the other side. But it's interesting, when I got into this thing, I, I started to study some of the the meaning um, of this concept in their culture, some very, very profound things. If you ever pay attention to uh, Asians, all right, um, it's very rare that you don't see them together in a family-orientated structure. It's, it's always mommy, daddy, uh, son, daughter together, uh, enjoying life, having fun, um, you know, also going through difficult things and, and growing and evolving when you see um, the structure and how they they move and groove as a culture. And I come to find out, you know, like over here we have Mother's Day, Father's Day, where, excuse me, where we separate um, our parentage. We we say, okay, we're going to have a day to celebrate Mommy. Okay, we're going to have a day to celebrate Daddy. But when you look at that, it's not holistic per se. Right, and people say, "Well, you know, I don't know. You know, we celebrate one, we celebrate the other, but it's separation and division there. Albeit, it might not be one that's obviously noticeable that can cause detriment when you're looking at it just from a, you know, from a regular perspective. But in their culture, they don't do that. They just have a parents' day where it's I, I celebrate my mother and my father being together as parents and parenting." Um, me as a child and my siblings, uh, per se. You know what I mean? Because uh, a lot of the family structure, uh, especially from the dynamic in which I come from, you know, African-American, black man in America, that type of thing, when you look around, um, it's a major disparity in those two days uh, when, when, you know, as far as the festiveness is concerned. You know what I mean? And that's because of the psychology that's wrapped around the environment of the home, daddy's usually not around. 
you see. So in their culture, that's not even part of their mindset to have it separate. You know what I mean? And I kind of wanted to delve into ancestral worship, both of the living and those that have passed away and have moved on to another plane of existence tonight uh, on this show. Now, in their culture, they say that when the ancestor passes away, they still have uh, ceremonies and festivals uh, that help honor and exonerate them even after they're gone. And they have plates at the table for grandma, grandpa who has passed away. And they, they, they bow. They even bow at the table as if um, the, the, the ancestor was still there to show respect, right? And they say they do this for a total of three years where they say we do it for three years because for the first three years of your infant life, when you were being raised by now your ancestor on the other side of the veil, these people fed you, they clothed you, or primarily feeding. They said after three, the baby kind of has an idea about how, you know, how to feed itself. You know what I mean? All you got to do is put it down in front of them, they attack it, get to it, whatever, whatever. But they say for three years we're going to mimic what they did for us and show them respect um, to exonerate their spirit, to lift up their soul to the, to the next plateau. And I said, wow, that's interesting. Now, in, their, in, their, in the politics of it all, and this is where the, this is where the astrodynamic comes in at, when in, over there, like the government jobs is like sacred. Like, you know, being, in, being at that level of society is like some top-level stuff, you know what I mean, in their tradition. And in their tradition... They say in order to be a government official or have a governmental job, you must know this filial piety classic uh, by Confucius where, he, you know, he gets into the dynamic of being respectful to the parents. So this is part of the culture to be in a prestigious position in society. You have to have a firm understanding of your ancestor and be respectful to your parents. Now, Imagine what that does for the society as a whole. People who get in positions of authority to govern the people have a sense of respect for parenting and their ancestors. Now, you can imagine how the society would be able to thrive in a situation like that, right? Now, when you're looking at the astral dynamics of it all, how does this come into play? Well, we know in astrology, the fourth house in astrology is cancer, right? This is the ancestral gateway. This is, this is the mommy. This is the portal that you come in on to usher yourself into this physical reality, right? The womb of the mother, the down under, the underworld, which is the fourth house. This is how you come into this place. Now, opposite that, we have the tenth house, which is, which is a Saturn principle. And in astrology, when you're looking for mommy and daddy, you're always looking for Saturn uh, for the father and for the mother principle, you're looking for the moon. Sometimes they can be interchangeable depending upon how things are falling in your chart to give you an idea of what's really going on between the parenting apparatus in your life. But it's, I said, wow, 
look at this astrological dynamic playing out in culture and society where they're saying, in order for me to get to the mountaintop, because this is Capricorn, 10th house, the mountaintop, right, uh, the, the highest level of success where, where people feel that I'm responsible enough to dictate honestly and fairly and be a good king, right, I have to know the importance of my ancestry and participate properly in understanding ancestral worship. I said, wow, now that's amazing, you know. So I went from there, and because I, I, I really, man, I, I went up to Nobles a couple weeks back, and um, I was up there, and, you know, he just ordered this beautiful Zohar set, like 23, it's either 23 or 28 volumes in there. And I went in there, I came on up, and I snatched one out. I said, man, you got to let me take this one with me, man. I need, some, I need some of this spiritual food, man. You can't sit over here on 28 books, man. You can't read them all. Give me one of these. So I took it with me, and I've just been glued to it ever since. And it's interesting. I just want to show you how the divine works. Now, all day today, I was focusing on what I was going to say this evening. And for anybody that doesn't know, I'm a letter carrier. So I go door to door and drop off your, your, your messages, your, 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 your marks, right? And today, as I was pondering what I was going to discuss, it was, it was a gentleman who came to the door. It was a big apartment building complex. And he came to the door, and he said, man, um, somebody got a UPS package, and they want to know, can you mail it? Blase, blase. And my first initial response was to him, we don't deal with UPS. That's a whole other entity. You're going to have to just, you know, figure out, figure it out. And he says, well, it's not for me. It's for the lady in the hallway. So I glanced over and to see who it was, and it was this little old lady named Olivia Douglas. Got to be at least 80 years old, in a wheelchair. And I said, now look at the creator knocking at my door, right? So immediately I stopped everything that I was doing. I went over there, even though it had nothing to do with the, the, the establishment who I worked for, but I walked her through the whole process of how she can get in contact with UPS, the number to dial, the tracking number to give them. And, to, and she, she was just so thankful because she couldn't see the numbers, where it was located at on the, on the, on the receipt. And I said, look at this filial piety. The creator has come to me on this day while I'm pondering this to put me in a position to say, now, you're thinking about this, you're talking about this, now put it into motion, into real life. You see? So I helped out, and her box number was 418, so I came home today because, uh, you know, we deal with the number system emphatically, dealing with the, um, the Kabbalah of it all, shall we say, and all these numbers represent certain things in your life in a spiritual sense to give you a, 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 the fabric or the lining in, 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 in your being to understand what's happening to you spiritually. So when I came to look up 418, it came out to, uh, to mean being forever. Or, or, or eon or aeon. And I said, wow, the ancestors are forever. This is what the creator is trying to tell me, that your ancestral lineage, lineage is forever. It can never cease to fail because 
I am the beginning and the end, and I am all I have always been here and always will be here. So I am your most ancient ancestor, and I am forever. So I go up to this box and I come home and check the number, and it says forever to be forever. So that's just a side note, but um. So I want to get into some of the biblical scriptures, and I'm not going to take too long, man. I know y'all got some some wonderful topics to discuss tonight. But I want to get into the story of Ham and Noah in the Bible. And um, Genesis 9 and 21, where it talks about uh, Ham um, being cursed and this type of thing. And when you read it, it's a, it's a lot of opinions on it. A lot of scholars have done a, a lot of talking about it. But I have to use my own mind when I'm delving into these scriptures to understand a, another dimension of what it represents for me, and I'm just sharing that tonight with y'all. And I use some of the things that have been set in place, uh, like some of the spiritual systems and the tools to use to kind of decode and get a better understanding based off my input and what the creator is trying to impress on my mind. And when you get into the scripture, it talks about how Noah was inside of his tent, and he had, prior to that, he had ate from his vineyard some some wines or drunk some wines, and he was in here, and he was supposed to have been naked. He had unclothed himself, and Ham came in and saw that he was naked, and he came out and he told uh, Shem and, uh, and Japheth, he told both of them what he had saw. Now, a lot of people are saying that, you know, it, was, it was, might have been some sexual connotation that was going on in there, but I think not. When you look at some of the words, and, and I'm tying this into ancestral worship and understanding how to respect your elders, uh, because this is what this represents. When you, when you look at the story, right, Drunkenness is a word called irot or irat in 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 the Hebrew, uh, which translates to naked. But it excuse me, not to naked, but to drunkenness, and it also translates to um, jealousy, envy, or narrowness, or what I like to say, narrow-mindedness. All right, and you have to you have to strip these scriptures down to get the bare bones of what is going on, the story inside of the story, the spiritual meaning, the metaphysical meaning behind what is going on here to get you to understand lessons so that you can improve in your life. And when you look at the other part, they said this was going on in his tent. Now, a tent is a ohel, ohel, right? Aleph, hef, lamet, or lamet, hef, aleph, okay? In the, in the Hebrew, which means... Um, bright or to shine, all right? It is a, it is a, the Arabic word is ahal, which also means family, right, or ancestry. So we back at ancestry because family is ancestry, okay? So the story goes, he went in, he saw it, and he came out. And you listen to, the, to some of the teachers in, uh, that, that talk about this from the Arabic perspective. They say that he, what he did wrong was he came out and he talked bad about his father uh, to the people outside in the town. He came out just running his mouth babbling. Now, what was going on in the tent? Because you're dealing with, you're dealing with bright lights and shining. This is, this, is, this is what the word actually means in its origin. 
and they say that he took something, uh, a wine, so he, he ingested something into his system, right? So what I'm saying, what I'm thinking happened here is that it was something, it was a spiritual phenomenon that was going on inside of that tent. And when Ham came in unabided, he saw something that maybe he wasn't quite ready for. And I'm going to let Noble build on, because we just talked about it. I'm going to let Noble build on what happened when he had an experience with his son as he was doing a spiritual practice and what his son thought, you know what I mean, which is key, too, when you really look at some of the wisdom here because it's saying that a lot of us are intimidated to deal with our spirituality in its purest form as our ancestors did. You understand what I'm saying? Um, we think that it's very spooky or it's just so unrealistic or, you know, you're, you're crazy. What are you doing? And then you see it all the time. People run out and have everything to say about you when you're walking a straight line, like the Sheikh said, trying to understand what God has in store for you, what the Creator wants to use you for in this reality. So moving forward, when you look at a hall, you're dealing with Lamet, which is the door, Heth, which is the window, Aleph, which is the um, it is du- it is the duality of everything that exists in this universal matrix, right? So it's like it's saying, um, I'm I'm every you know a window and a door is something that you look out of or something that you walk through. So in other words, it's these pathways or these corridors or these openings or these cracks that I am that I that I am attempting to move in and through in order to get to understand the duality in the all that we call creation. You see? So this what was going on inside of the tent, you know, in the in the in the English language, as they say. Now moving forward, because I'm looking for parallels when I read these biblical stories. In Genesis twenty four and sixty seven it talks about Isaac and what happened to him when, when he met Rebekah. And I just read it. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was, com- was, comforted, uh, excuse me, was comforted after his mother's death. Now, Sarah had passed away in the chapter before in chapter 23, and Abraham took his wife and buried his wife. Now, now this is where the science comes in at, because, because remember we're dealing with the tent phenomenon, dealing with light and energy and brightness, okay? In this passage that we're dealing with here, why would Isaac take Rebecca back to his mother's tent? Now, another word that they use for a hell, right, that we spoke about being the window door, right, is an, a word that they, uh, they de- define it by framework or structuring is another definition for this word, right? So, and, and this, is, this, this is the science. In your body, right, you have negative and positive ions, by the way, of elements in the body, okay? And 
negative ions are primarily in the bloodstream by way of chlorine in the body, okay? Now, you are an electric being. Your body is electric. When you, when you transition, the electrical current ceases to exist in your physical body. But it is still energy, so where does it go is the question. Where does the energy go? It escapes the body and releases into the atmosphere. All right? It, re- it leaves the body and releases into the atmosphere. Now, these negative ions are found in um, pristine, clean places in nature, not too much the city life. But when you go to mountains, valleys, hills, this type of thing, um, any place where there's smooth, clean, running water, um, like when you go to beaches, you feel relaxed. Um, uh, it's in moving, wa- moving water. It's in air molecules, forests, and mountains. These are the places where these negative ions can be found. And when you do the research on these negative ions, they have a major impact on the body. For the, for the positive, they give you increased mental focus, uh, an increased flow of oxygen to the brain. Their studies have proven that these negative ions eliminate stress and they eliminate asthma. All kinds of studies have been done on the influx of negative ions, ions on the physical body, okay? But when you pass away, these things escape your body and they hover in the atmosphere. This is why you hear these stories about haunted houses and all of these places where these energy vortexes are at. Your ancestors still exist with you on this physical plane by way of what we call elementals, uh, ions, photons, this type of energy, right? So why would, keeping that in context, why would he take his newly found wife-to-be to his mother's tent, right? Because this was, this was a place that she dwelt. But they say the O'Hell is a, a, a word that deals with framework or structuring. So it, it's, it's a major science going on right here in the scripture. Isaac took his wife into a place where the spirit of his mother was still dwelling in order to infuse in her the framework of who this great woman, his mother, was into his wife so that she can uh, not necessarily be the same woman as his mother but have some of the similar framework and ways as his mother, you see. So this is the science on how you tune in into your ancestry on a whole nother level, you see. So when Marcus Garvey told you, look for me in the whirlwind, that's not a game. The ancestors exist with you throughout all these elementals in this, on this terrestrial place that we call Earth, all right. And I'm going to wrap up because I know y'all, y'all, y'all coming on, man. But outside of that, in the Zohar, it talks about how when, you're, when, 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 when the living pass over and they're in their grave, you have three different parts of the soul, uh, the Neshama, the Ruach, 
and the, the nefesh. And when you pass over, the nefesh is still here on this physical plane as the, as the Zohar states until your bones in your, in your casket have decayed, okay? And at that point, at that point, these spirits, if, if, and this is how important, and this is why the filial piety of what the Asians do is so important, because it's a science behind this, it's a method to why this has happened. And we put it inside a ceremony and ritual, but it's actual science running behind the scenery here. When you, when your loved ones pass over, your prayers and your thoughts help lift them up to higher worlds, to higher dimensions. You now become part of, you now become a parenting uh, 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 apparatus while, while still living in the flesh to ones that have passed over to the other side of the veil to help them charge them with this spiritual energy by way of still holding ceremonies for them, still keeping them in your prayers, still elevating their spirits back to the divine, back to the most high, back to Allah. You see what I'm saying? This is science, you see. So we have to ask ourselves, are we doing that? You know what I mean? And when you do that, you reap the benefits of, 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 of spiritual things because it says when, when the living pray for the deceased or for the ancestor, it, it, it stimulates the creator. And these blessings come down throughout the universe and they resonate here on earth to bring mercy to mankind for, for all of his trials and his transgressions and his errors. So by way of your ancestors and tapping into that line, are you able to bring mercy upon those here on this planet, you see? So that's going to conclude my part of it. I know I'm supposed to win for 20. I think I might have been just a tad bit over, but I'm going to conclude there and pass it over to the Sheikh to let him build on, his, to, on the part of his dissertation tonight. I'm really sure he's still there. Hold on. Shay, can you hear us? You there? As long as he's probably on mute. I'm, I'm still here. I had to take it off mute. I didn't want to yeah, yeah. disturb yeah, yeah, that beautiful thought. Yeah. Brother, before I even start, let me say, that was beautiful. That was absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you. Can't wait to meet you and, and get to enjoy your spirit in person. And uh, I wanted to say earlier that um, I'm going to join y'all in uh, New Orleans. That's something I want to do. Great, great. I really, I really want to join you there. I want to uh, visit Marie Laveau's um, tomb while I'm there. I want to experience something that is going on there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely the point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Let me start on what I want to share tonight, and uh, much of it is going to sound some of the things. Some of the things may sound very similar to what Minister Jew was saying, because uh, these spiritual systems connect. They connect. <laughs> so we all be, always begin all things. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, which really means um, with the assistance of the divine. <laughs> <laughs> 
the owner of graciousness and the owner of mercifulness. Um, one of my great teachers, when we talk about ancestral worship or giving credit or credence to our ancestors, in Tasawuf or Sufism, we always give honor to our chain, to those who taught us. One of my teachers, Ahmed Halusi, may Allah be sanctified secret, um, wrote several writings, and in one of them I'm going to share something of it tonight. He says, according to some of us, or the five-sensed individuals, we live in a physical universe among countless other micro and macro universes within existence. This judgment, however, is formed as a result of the limited data perceived by our senses. The limited data perceived by our senses. Whereas, if our planet was placed under a microscope with a 60 billion-fold magnification capacity, and we were able to observe our planet, we were able to observe our planet now, under this lens, what would we see? With a thousand times lens, we could see not just every individual, but the atomic structure of every individual unit on the planet. So imagine what happens when this magnification level reaches 60 billion. All objects that are perceived by our eyes, be it people, buildings, or furniture, will completely disappear. And hence, the visual interpretation of our brain will change completely. The visual interpretation of our brains will change completely. Perhaps we will exclaim, oh, nothing actually exists here at all. Look at this place. We can't see anything here except atoms and electrons. Where has everything disappeared to? This would be the exclamation coming from the very brain, the very brain, the very brain that projected tangible people in furniture just before viewing things through the microscope. Indeed, the brain would be the same brain, but the plane and means of perception would have dramatically increased in capacity. Thus, the brain always interprets various data based on its existing, existing means of perception first. The brain always interprets data based on its existing means of perception first, thereby making judgments, for example, that people exist. But then, when its tools of perception increase, it changes this judgment to nothing exists here other than the atoms and the electrons that are rotating around them. But what if we were born into and had to live and die at this level of, man, of magnification? Would we still have believed in the existence of the physical thing? 
we believe exists today, or will we have believed the entire existence, including our world, in the infinite space to comprise a single unit of existence composed of atoms? If, for example, our brain received data not from a 60 billion multiplied um, lens, but from an electronic, an electron microscope that is 10 trillion times magnification lens, would we still have claimed the existence of individual units, of objects, and people? Or would we have perceived existence as a unitary whole, indivisible one? If I had been able to illustrate my point, then please allow me to stress the following. Allow me to stress this following now. In reality, existence is infinite, uh, unlimitable, unitary, indivisible, whole. It is one. In the Arabic, we say ahad, ahad. It has no partner or similitude. And nothing within the micro or macro realms of existence is outside of or other than it. It is Allah, the Ahad. However, due to our present tools of perception, we seem to perceive this one, this Ahad, as composed of multiple parts, which is all based on our perception now. This is because our brain, our brain draws its judgment based on extremely limited data received by the five senses. So if we, in effect, take these as mere samples rather than absolutes from the infinite forms of existence in the universe and try to contemplate on the vastness of existence based on these samples, if we can then embark on a dimensional journey into the depths of structure of existence and encounter therein the universal existence, then we can observe the dissolution of ourselves in the self, in that self, in that primal existence. When we come to that reality, we come to realize, we come to realize that there is no other reality. That there is no other reality. So when we perceive such things as death and that our ancestors are no longer present, we're only perceiving that reality based on the limited view of our five senses. We're only thinking that grandmom is gone, that my grandfather is gone, that my mother is gone, that my father is gone. Mother and father, grandma, grandpa, great-grandfather, ancient ancestors still exist. They only exist on another plane of existence. So Allah says in the Quran, speak not of the righteous as though they are dead, for they are not dead, but you perceive not. We don't have the perception because of the limited brain capacity that we have been conditioned into to perceive that which is beyond the physical, true metaphysics. Mm. Now, 
cultural overlap here, if you're listening to me, as one tradition feeds into another. As a Muslim, I must speak from that perspective first. The Muslim um, vision of eternity as a paradise or a garden complete with hores, meaning bright eyes, beautiful young women, and exotic fruits owes its existence in part to the Garden of Eden found in the Torah. Spirit worlds are common all over the globe, all over this planet Earth. Spirit worlds are common. Spirit worlds are common all over the globe. The ancient Greeks expected to meet the shades of the departed across the river Styx in Hades, but filtered through time. In Christianity, Hades became a punishing hell presided over by Shaitan or Satan, while the Greek place of blessed spirits, the uh, Lagian fields, became heaven. There are visible spirit worlds found in the ancestor worship of ancient Japan and China, as Brother Jew, Brother Minister Jew just mentioned. In a prehistoric age, Aboriginal peoples drifted from South Asia to Australia and the islands of the South Pacific, bringing their spirit worlds with them. With them also came a kind, a kind of dream time, a kind of dream time. I'm not going to lose that point because that's taking us where we want to be. That infused ordinary time in which material events could be seen as depending upon spiritual events. But spirit worlds don't hold in certain cultures, like in India, where the dominant belief gathered around three other um, afterlives, transcendent, in, in um, rejoining the sea of consciousness, awakening, discovering that once true nature is at man or the soul and uh, transmigration or the internal cycle of rebirth, being born is a certain culture, however, doesn't always determine where your soul finds itself after crossing over. Eternal life, it turns out, is also very personal. There's a word in Arabic called awli Allah, means friends of God. Whenever I refer to my master teacher, his holiness, Malana or Master Elijah Muhammad, may Allah sanctify his seer. I refer to him as Awliyullah because I believe that he is and was a friend of the divine. He said to us that the only way to escape death is to never have been born. Very interesting. Very interesting. The only way to escape death is to never have been born. Well, my friends, earth is an illusion. Just like death, the soul is eternal. It peeks into this universe and it comes out. We're here for a certain period of time and then we're on our journey. We're on our way. We're on our way out of this realm of existence. Now, I laid the base for that because I wanted to get to something in ancient Egypt. 
And I want to bring that, I want to make our perception change a bit to stop viewing our ancestors as dead or gone. Our ancestors are with us. They're with us right now. Simply because you cannot see them, it is because of our own limited means of perception. And right now, you and I will do things in the presence of our ancestors that we would never do. That we would never do if they were physically in front of us. You see? But now, but now, as we learn and as we grow, we have to break the vicious cycle of not only disrespecting those who are standing before us, looking at us with their physical eyes, these orbs stuck inside of this, this skull made of physical material because there is something greater than that that truly sees. And the ancestors, as Minister Jews said, have transitioned out of the physical and now they're in the atmosphere. This is, the, this is the, the goal of every Camus, of every ancient Egyptian. Their goal was to manifest a certain reality while in dunya, while in this world, that they could be conscious of that reality in the next. Our ancestors are among us, and we have to walk in the earth today knowing that, understanding that. And when we call on them, when we attune the spiritual ear to that reality, they answer you. I was at the tomb of Sheikh Bawa Mahayuddin, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I was at his tomb, his mazar, and I was raising the salah force in that mazar. And after I left for eight days, Sheikh visited me in my home. For eight days, he taught me. Not with words. He never spoke English. He spoke Tamil. But he communicated with me from his mind to my mind and downloaded in me things that I never knew until that experience happened. But you and I, as Noble has said, we have to work on our chakras. We have to work on the lapayas, that subtle energies within ourselves to cultivate ourselves, that we can be higher beings because we have a higher purpose than eating and shelter and sex. We have a higher being than just partying in the street and having a good time, what we call a good time. We don't even know what a good time is. We have a higher calling. The ancient Kamur, as they uh, are called today, the Egyptians, are remarkably traditional to a fault throughout the history of ancient Kemet. The emphasis was the adherence to traditions, and the Egyptians never deviated from such principles. And I, listen to me carefully when I say never, because I'm, I'm laying the base for what I'm going to say. And, I'm, and I'll wrap this up from such principles in the oldest surviving text of the world, which is well over 5,000 years old. The Egyptian scribe, Batahotep, states, do not modify, do not change anything from your fathers, your ancestors' teachings, instructions, not even a single word, and let this principle be the cornerstone for teachings to future generations. 
the Egyptians never deviate, deviated from their principle. Every early historians have attested to this fact, such as uh, Herodotus in the history's book um, two. Um, the Egyptians kept to their native customs and never adopted any from abroad. Also in book two, the Egyptians are unwilling, they were unwilling to adapt Greek customs or to speak generally those of any other country. The essence of such traditionalism is in the Egyptians' total adherence to precedents established by their ancestors. Everything they did, every action, every movement, every decree had to be justified in terms of their ancestral precedents to abide by and to explain their actions and deeds. The ancient and the Beladi Egyptians' entire sociology and existence from beginning to end is nothing but a long chain of ancestral precedents, every single link and rivet of which became a custom and a law from their spiritual fathers unto themselves in the flesh. Plato even and other writers affirm the complete adherence of the Egyptians to their own traditions. Our beautiful brother Mustafa Gandala has chronicled this. Read, go and research his books. He has chronicled this wonderfully in his writings. Nothing has changed with the attitude since then. For each traveler in Kemet since that time has confirmed the allegiances to such conservatism. With all the false claims of how the ancient Egyptians changed their ways, languages, religion, traditions, etc., careful study will show that such claims are mere illusions. The truth is, the truth is, the truth is that the ancient traditions never died. They continue to survive within the silent majority. I say silent majority who are called, and they call themselves, Baladi, the Baladi, meaning the natives, the loud majority of Egyptians, the high government officials, the academicians, the journalists, the self-proclaimed intellectuals, self-proclaimed intellectuals are described by the silent majority as the Afrangi or the Afrangi meaning the foreigners. The Afrangi are the Egyptians, um, are the Egyptian people who co compromise the Egyptian heritage to gain high positions and approval of the foreign invaders of Egypt. As a tool of foreign forces, like the Arabs, the Afrangi rule and dominate the Baladi, the natives. The Afrangi are like the foreign masters, arrogant, cruel, and vain. After foreign forces left Egypt, the Egyptian Afrigani continued their rule as the righteous rulers. The unchanging Baladi, the torchbearers of the ancient Egyptian ancestors are stripped of their nationality. I'm stopping, pausing right there. I have one more section to read for you, and then I will close and hand it over to my dear beloved brother Noble. I wanted to bring up ancient Egypt because of the condition of Egypt today. And you can see the deviation from what happened in ancient times when they respected their ancestors and what has happened today when the Afrigani took over and now, look at this, Arab madness. 
the Arab Spring. Look at the death and the destruction, the thievery and the robbery and the, and the dogmatic religious concepts that are going on there. Look at our ancient land going to waste because we disrespect our ancestors. And we treat them as though they never existed and that they no longer exist. There are some fools today in what is being known as the Muslim Brotherhood who desire to even destroy the pyramids, something that they don't even own, something they have nothing to do with. This is what happens when we leave our ancestors. And this is why today we have to get back to honor thy mother and father that our days shall be longer upon the earth that the Lord thy God has given us. This is why the Quran says, don't say, mm, to your mother. Don't even make that kind of sound to your mother. The Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, heaven rests at the foot of mother. The word in Arabic for mother is, um. We have, uh, you probably heard people say, umi. Umi, which translates as my mother, is personal. Umi, my mother. Now, because of gross misunderstanding of the term, many so-called Muslims think Muhammad the Prophet, peace be upon him, was illiterate. The misunderstanding has resulted in a perverse kind of pride and arrogance and suspicion of intelligence in much of the Arab world today. Allah reveals in Quran, those who follow the messenger prophet, the Umi, whom they find mentioned in the Torah and the Injil. Another translation of that says, those who follow the Rasul, the Umi, the unlettered Nabi. Nabi means prophet in a sense, but it also means, really it means, whose natural disposition has been corrupted and original purity is preserved. Who has been stated in the Torah and the Injil in their hands. He orders what is favorable according to Allah. Now, Umi is close to Um, mother. Now, because the Arab considered women to be unintelligent, Umi had to mean illiterate, but Umi does not mean that. The word actually comes from the Sumerian word, Umaya, a word that means learned in all the arts and sciences, including astronomy, math, astrology, medicine, geography, and much, much, much more. The umi is anything but, anything but illiterate. Father, in our language, and I'm saying our, and I'll get into that another time, I don't want to take too much time, is Abu. Is Abu. And it is one surah in the Quran, and I'm going to read this um, couple of verses and then I'm going to turn over to my dear brother Noble. It reads in Surah Al-Luqman, or chapter, or really is the degree of Luqman in the Quran. It says in verse 12, we read, Indeed, we gave wisdom and intellect and based on systematic thinking. Wisdom and intellect based on systematic thinking to Luqman, so that he may be grateful to Allah and whoever is grateful, his gratitude is for his own self. And whoever denies the blessings within his essence, Allah is indeed 
Naganat, the one who is beyond being labeled and limited by the manifestations of his own name. And Luke man admonished his son. Oh my son. Oh my son. Do not associate partners with the divine, with Allah, who compromises your essence with his name. Assuredly, duality is a great wrongdoing. We enjoined upon man his parents. His mother carried him in weakness upon weakness. His weaning from breastfeeding is within two years. Be grateful to me and to your parents. Be grateful to me and to your parents. This is extremely important. He is a divine being telling us to be grateful not only to the divine being, but to your parents. Be grateful. Do not turn away from people in arrogance. Is another in verse 18. It says, do not turn away from people in arrogance. Do not walk upon the earth boastfully. Indeed, Allah does not like those who are arrogant and proud with their possessions. Lower your boundaries in life with balance and lower your, vo and lower your voice. Indeed, the ugliest of sounds is the voice of donkey. Do not... Do you not see how Allah has subjected all that is in the heavens and the earth to your service and spread his apparent and concealed blessing upon you? And among the people are some who dispute about Allah without any basis in reality and no enlightening knowledge. I'm going to stop right there. There's more, but because of time, I don't want to take too much time. But I want to say this. Our protection has to change. And we have to stop thinking that we as individuals are separate, number one, and that we as individuals, this gross arrogance, this gross arrogance upon the earth, that we are alone. There are other dimensions. There are other things going on simultaneously. Actually, everything is going on simultaneously. Nothing happened in the past and nothing is going to happen in the future. Everything that is happening is happening right now. Every bit of wisdom that your grandparents gave you, that your parents gave you, cling to. There's a lesson that we learned from our master, Elijah, and it says, why isn't the devil settled on the best part of the planet Earth? Because the Earth belonged to the original black man. And knowing that the devil was wicked, he put him out in the worst part and preserved the best part for himself ever since he made it. The best part is in Arabia, at the holy city Mecca. The colored man of Caucasian is the devil. Arabia is bordered by the Indian Ocean on the south. Now, that all has meaning because I don't get into the racist stuff. I'm quoting a lesson. I don't get into that at all. But my point is, in quoting that lesson, is the best part of the planet Earth, the best part of you, the best part of your ancestors, that's what you settled on. Stop settling on the flaws that they made and settle on the best part of them. And then, and then, as we settle on that, learn from the mistakes. Learn from the mistakes that they made. Black man means black mind, means original mind in the vastness of space. Color means that your perception has been tainted by other things around you. That lesson has nothing to do with race. It means that you have to stop allowing other influences 
to change who you are from your original state. I thank you for listening. Peace and blessings. Assalamu alaikum. Brother Noble, back to you, <coughs> sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, brother. Um, wow. <laughs> wow, man. You said um, Patahotep. He said, change nothing from the fathers. Can you give me that quote again about the fathers? I'm sorry. Go back again. You mentioned something about Patahotep saying something about mm-hmm. do not deviate anything from the fathers. Oh, absolutely. You want me to restate that? Yeah, yeah. Restate that for Pata- me, please. Patahotep stated, and remember, this was 5,000 years ago. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Don't modify. Do not modify. Do not change anything from your father, your ancestors' teaching, instruction. Not even a single word. And let this principle be the cornerstone for teachings to future generations. That's the quote from Yatahu. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you, sir. That, that leads right into my opening of what an ancestor is. But before I do that, um, Sheikh mentioned something about going to the Mazar of the great Bawa Mahayadeen. Uh, if, if you do not know him, you can go to a website um, called BMS, B as in Bawa, B as in Boy, M as in Mary, F as in Frank, BMS.org, and get to study up on this great Sufi giant, the spiritual master he was. Um who came to Philadelphia from Sri Lanka and, and taught the community about the universal vastness of Allah, the love, the dicker, the heart, and learning how to get into the heart in this love. Um, I was introduced to Bawa by my wife, who had the privilege of actually being physically touched by him with a picture with him growing up in the fellowship under his tutelage at a very young age. And when you do some research on YouTube about Bawa Mahayadeen as college professors teaching about who this man was in colleges, and inside of one of the videos they talk about how um, they did an interview with someone who had went to temples, visited some temples inside of um, um, Sri Lanka, and Bawa was not there. He was actually, uh, at that time he was still over there in Sri Lanka, but he was not physically in a temple, and his spirit appeared to them in the temple, and he told them, do not worship at this particular temple. And more than one person saw him, and they testified to this. So this great Sufi sheikh had a mystical ability. If you just do the quick research real fast on Bawa Mahayadeen and research him again on YouTube and, and see this college video that I'm talking about, with sheikh, Muhammad just explained about Bawa visiting him for eight days is not far-fetched whatsoever. There's actually stories that talk about it before the sheikh became aware of who Bawa Mahayadeen was. This, this, he already had this mystical track record running, just to verify that so you can see it for yourself. Prime Minister mentioned something about the ancestral world. And one of the spheres, as the Sheikh was talking about as well, where the ancestors dwell, is approximately, and I put this on the blog a while ago, approximately 238,000 miles from here 
um, from the earth, from this visual spectrum, as you see, and it is called the moon. It is within that range of space that it takes from here, or the distance between the earth and the moon is a sphere of energy where these orbs that we can see in this reality via photos or some with a keen eye um, is, for lack of a better word, they exist in that particular world. And to be honest with you, some of them are trapped into this reality, and we'll get into that in a whole another, uh, a whole another segment. I wanted to shake to go back and talk about Patahotep, and he talked about how um, it is mentioned in the comedic records of 5,000 years old to change nothing from your fathers. And the reason why I had him go back and reiterate that particular point because I asked the question in Hebrew, what is an ancestor? Well, an ancestor is Ab, is father, just like you heard in, in Islam they said Abu. Well, in Hebrew, we just don't we don't have the ooh sound. It's just it's just ab, and that's father. So an ancestor is a father. Now, the gross ignorance that we have that the Sheikh talked about that I want to elaborate on is the ignorance that we have is really about this man is dominant over woman. I was here first. You came from my rib. And the gross ignorance that we have is woman was here first and man came from her. Now, look, this is a good thing. This is a big thing that's going on. And if woman comes from me, then that means there's a part of my inner self that is a female. And if I came from woman, then that means there is an inner part of her that is masculine. Nowhere in the great ancient cosmologies, when you go look in them Ptah and the eight forms, um, the great Ennead of Atumre, all of them had a counterpart, a mirror. When you get into the Dogon aspect, it talks about no more in these twins, this twin effect. It's this twin that you see on path 17 in the Tree of Life, it is called the lover's card in your tarot deck to get you to understand cosmic law, planetary influence, and how it influences human behavior, and how male and female as two different genders but one species, one person, the two is one. It's a weird place down here. Two is one. Odd is even, and even is odd. I keep telling you that. Just look at your chakra map. Heart chakra, chakra number four is even. Half of seven is not 3.5. Half of seven is four. Four says I have three to my left and three on my right, or three at the top and three at the bottom. Your even is odd. Okay? So this twinning effect talks about the male-female inside of you. So we denoted ancestor as father, and the reason why they put father or man first was to talk about or simply express cosmic principles. One is receptive and one is active, or one projects and one receives. The projection is not greater than that which it is projecting to because the receiver is that which materializes it. 
nor is that which is materialized of the woman greater than, greater than that which she has to perceive or receive light from. The two are one. And this is the supernal triangle as you understand in the tree of life. So ancestor talks about a force of energy that is projected as your father. Now, this is in uh, when you look at modern-day society right now in reality, our biggest problem is we are disconnected from our fathers, biological fathers. That's the problem. The, the problem is you don't want no man because your daddy wasn't there. And the problem is I don't know how to treat a woman because I never saw my daddy treat a woman good. I don't know him. What Pac say, no love for my daddy because the coward wasn't there. That is a real-life phenomenon that takes place in our reality. So we don't have this connection with this masculine force, so rightfully so, women may say, you come from me, I do it myself, I don't need you. Rightfully so, and I understand it. Since most of us have no connection to our fathers, we are in trouble. And as men, the best we can do is become the best fathers that we can possibly become right now, this very minute. This very minute. I host a seven-week miracle prayer class, which we on week three. Big shout-out to everybody that's in this Phenomenal class, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff that's taking place. And one of the things that I worked on in week two, because we had dealt with, um, I understood that week two had an element of anger, was destroying, totally removing the anger that I may exhibit towards my children, even in response, because it's a natural, I won't say natural, in a sense, lack of a better word, it could be a natural response at times, but I don't want to ever respond that way. I want to do away with that quality. So the best that we can do, as I heard Jude Pukram say, is she's Jude Pukram said, I'm working on a personal project to become the best person I can possibly be. And I said, why, gee, that's it. At all times, every single day, every action needs to reflect your very best. That's your goal for the day is to be the best person that you can be. I'm almost out of giving advice to people because I keep telling you that Nike said it, just do it. But do what? Do what it is that makes you the best person you want to be. The soul automatically knows what it wants to obtain in this lifetime. What are you asking me for? So there's this parental karma that we have, and women who lack this father connection, the true ancestral connection, will often have issues with men, and I'll see this in your birth chart, and it's called parental karma markers. And this is your cosmic DNA. And you will pass this down 
to your children because I've done a whole lecture series entitled Cosmic DNA where I show you how um, the grandmother to the, last, to, the, to the last grandchild is the difference of 49 years and the same geometry pops up inside of the heavens, inside of the birth chart. How is that possible? Hmm? So you will pass this energy down to your children cosmically. It in essence the template for the genetics. Okay? So one of the solutions is, and it's multifold, you can do a Saturn 360 program. Because Saturn definitely denotes parental karma when involved with other players in the chart. You can do prayer. And in extreme case, we may have to do some soul retrieval work. And that is when a fragment of your soul is lost in the past life or in the past in this current incarnation, and it needs to be retrieved. So you will hear stories when someone may have been raped or in a violent situation. They watch the situation occur from the closet. They watch the situation occur from across the street because they soul left the body. But there's an aspect of yourself that becomes fragmented and lost in time. This is real. It's called flashbacks. Don't run up on me like that. I'm having a flashback. Come back from Vietnam and you have a flashback. Hmm? So the first father, biblically speaking, in my opinion, and it's interesting how synchronicity works, or what is called that morphogenetic resonance, is Ham, talking about Minister Jew. And the reason why I term Ham the first father is because specifically when they got to Ham, they kept saying Ham being the father of Canaan. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked. Why do you keep on talking about Ham is the father of somebody and nobody else in the story thus far did you explain like that? Every time you say Ham, man, you have to put the emphasis that this man is the father of Canaan. Why? So in my opinion, Ham became the first father. So who is he the father of? He's the father of Punt. He's the father of Mizarim, which is Egypt. He's the father of Cush, which is Ethiopia. And he's the father of Canaan. Now, Ethiopian, Egypt, curse be Canaan. Canaan simply means to subdue or a nation by the low side. Wait a minute. Nation by the low side, because it's clear that the names of his son represent African countries around Ethiopia. That's clear. Shem, Helm, and Japheth just came out of the ark because it was a flood. And you're telling me curse be Canaan, and Canaan absolutely just represents the nation by the low side, so if they came out of the flood, you're telling me now, and we know that the Nile floods, they felt serious, you're basically telling me how water affects.
perfected a geographical landmass in our ancient ancestors of Ethiopia, Kemet, and the Sudan. Christian Pope. See what you're telling me. And I'm going to show you how clever the priests are once again. When you look at a definition in Hebrew called moth, and it's symbolized by two letters. And the only thing you got to do is get you a Godwin's Kabbalistic Encyclopedia. It's symbolized, or that word means Memphis in Egypt. Do you know that that is the same numerical value when you spell the word Canaan? Hmm? Coincidence? Canaan gives birth to Mizarin, who is Egypt. Punt. Kush. But then when you look at Canaan's name, it actually equals the same word that means Memphis. Stop playing. So the priests were telling you to look within this geographical area for something. And what I got is just, it's totally something else. Because see, I'm going to tell you something. They never mentioned Noah's wife. She didn't have a name. She's not mentioned. And I know who the wife is. See, it's something called, the prime minister told you how he's giving you his exegesis, his viewpoint, his metaphysical interpretation. That's all the Talmud is, is a bunch of conversations or rabbis that say, hey, man, Genesis thirteen thirteen represents this when you look at it from this perspective, and they keep building upon it. And the Zohar, too, is nothing more than the a philosophical, spiritual conversation of interpretation based off what Sheikh said, your interpretation, your perception of light. So understanding Ham, the first father. I did a DVD called Philadelphia Exposed. And it's something that you can see if you just simply Google Duncan's Masonic Ritual, which is free online, and go to the Royal Arts degree, the seventh degree, or the York Rite, and they have to go through these veils, which is interesting. And in the first veil, they've got to go through and they get a password, and the password and he said, hey, you're about to come through the first veil, so I know you're traveling to the second veil. So when you get to the second veil, it's going to be somebody at the door that's going to ask you for a password and a sign. So let me give you the password. The password is Shem, Helm, and Japheth. And the sign is you picking up a stick and throwing it to the ground, which is symbolic for when... The creator told Moses to cast his rod on the ground and watch it turn into a serpent. But we know the serpent represents DNA. We also know that the serpent in ancient Memphite theology represents the females because the frogs represent the males. So now we're talking about feminine sexual energy. 
Oh, we talking about him. We talking about him running in the tent and him and daddy, daddy and his mama, or daddy and his wife supposed to be doing something, potentially. And I'm saving her for a whole other discourse. So Shem, Ham, and Japheth, this royal archmace in this talk, is the password. So they go to the second veil, knock on the door, who comes here? What's the password? Shem, Ham, and Japheth, what's the sign? Throw the rod on the ground, it turns into a serpent. He said, that's the word, that's the sign. But I know you're about to travel to the third veil, so I'm going to give you a password and a sign. Your password is now Shem, Japheth, and Adonai, and your sign is throwing your right hand into the bottom of your chest, which is symbolic for when the Creator told Moshe, Moses, to do that, and he pulled his hand out and it turned white as leprosy. Stop. What just happened? In the first veil, your password was Shem, Helm, and Japheth. But in the second veil, he said, okay, your password is Shem, Japheth, Adonai. I'm taking out Helm and giving you Adonai, which means Master, my Lord. So my Lord and Master replace Helm. Helm is Kelm, and Kelm is black, the land of the birth people. So when we put the hand in and do the famous George Washington, the famous Napoleon pictures, it's a Masonic sign that talks about the replacing of white, because when you pull your hand out, this is symbolic for the whiteness, the white replaces the black by substituting Cam, the first father, your original ancestor, from Kemet, hmm? from the Royal Arch. Oh, I know they don't know. They don't know. So he's replaced with my master. So when you see the famous George Washington, you see the famous Napoleon, the secret is Cam, the father, is Lord and Master. Hmm? So moving on, I said, well, I wanted to get into this because we're talking about ancestral worship since we know who ancestor is who is a father. The word ancestral, ancestor pops up one time in the Bible, depending on what translation you get. Leviticus 26.45 is mentioned. And the word used here is rosh nim. Now, if you know anything about the Hebrew, the construct of the language tells you something. When you see im, at the end, which is yard and mean, sounds like I am, im, that represents something, a noun that is plural, but it's masculine plural. All right? Im. So now it's talking about something of a masculine nature more than one. So the base of rashim or rashnim is rash, resh. Alice and Shin, R-A-S, Ras, like Ras Clod, right? Rastafarian, Ras, is the base word for altar. I'm sorry, for altar. So you want to get into this, this, this altar. You worship your ancestors at the altar. So this is the base word for altar. So I said, okay. Okay. 
when we're looking at this, oh, I got something on off, I'm sorry, base word for ancestor. So I'm looking at this, and the base means beginning, motion, to animate or being first. So you see this word in the very beginning in Genesis with this Barashit, Rosh, Rosh, Barashit, Barashit. So in the beginning, so when you see that R-A-S meaning beginning motion to animate, that beginning motion that they're talking about is the word, the base word actually means ancestor. Your ancestor created the beginning. So when I told you the letter B represents N, so now it's saying Barashit, it's saying in your ancestors. Sith means create. In your ancestors created. And when you understand the Hebrew, they talk kind of, uh, I love the way they talk because they say, Barashet, Barar Elohim. They won't say in the beginning God created. They will say something like, beginning, begin, create God. So the beginning created God. But in English, we would say, no, it ain't nothing before God, so God created the beginning. No, 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 no. The beginning created God. But what is the beginning? It's your ancestor. It's talking about a cosmic motion because then when you analyze the letters that make up Ross, this beginning motion, this ancestor, Resh, the letter Resh represents cosmically from the Hebrew standpoint, Resh represents the sun, and it's the front of your head. So therefore, when you see a Haru, when you see, when you see an Amin-Ra, when you see a Sekhmet, when you see deities, solar deities with, with sun disks on their heads, in Hebrew we're saying the same thing. Because now we can say it says, Bara, in the beginning, in Ra, in Ra creates, in the sun creates. And then we hear that letter Shin there which symbolizes fire. Sun is the fire. So it's the first principle or the highest level of, of the elements, the divine world, because as the prime minister would say, fire does something that no other element can do. And I'll let him tell you what that is. So this beginning motion is talking about the ancestors. Now, I'm going to verify that with some quick signs. This is how I know I love when to be on time, when that synchronicity pop in. Coach Kyrie, and he here, he dropped a link this week that talked about, uh, he said, stop blaming your mama for the genetic issues that you got, procrastination and so forth. And I clicked on the link, and I was reading, I said, bingo, this corresponds exactly what I was looking at this week. And I'm quoting a source from the Neuro Journal of Nature. You can go to nature.com slash neuro slash journal. And just you are Googling uh, the Neuro uh, Nature Journal, where they study nature animals and they study the neurons, the brains, uh, and, and the DNA of animals. And in this particular article, it talks about how mice were subjected 
to a cherry blossom smell, and every time they would smell it, they would shock the mice with electricity, and then they would allow these shock mice to go mate, and then the children, the offspring, would smell this odor, never been introduced to it before, and they will exhibit physical traits of fear, but yet they weren't shocked themselves. So I clicked on the source link, which took me to where I just told you, the newer journal, and they was talking all the scientific code, and they was talking about F-zero mice, and they actually did the study with male mice. They shocked the male mice. And they also did the in vitro where, where, where they actually took the sperm, obviously coming from a male, impregnated a woman, and the fear was still popping up in the offspring just by subjugating the masculine principle, the daddy. See? That's what happened today in our reality Daddy's a coward. Daddy ain't even there. So anyway, moving on. I don't even know why I got this note right here, but I ain't going to hit on it. Um, yeah, well, I'll hit on it. The, the fear or what's actually taking place here is dealing with the science of the blood. Because we're talking about your fourth house in astrology as the prime minister is talked about is your family lineage. Who you connected to in this lifetime. Who of your family has died and walks with you and watches over you can be determined by what goes on in that area of space in the sky. This ain't just, when we're looking at a chart, y'all better understand something. We're really talking about regions of space in the sky. Get to the science of That's what we're talking about. At this particular space, we're talking about time-wise, we're really talking about midnight when Cinderella got to be home because the magic begins. The magic hour starts. This region of space that the Zohar talks about. So it's family lineage and blood that takes place here. Our ancestors who are alive, because in Leviticus 26:45, Hashem, the Creator, says, "I will honor the way of their ancestors." Whoa! 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 Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Wait a minute. The Creator. Himself, let me find this. The Creator said, I will remember in their favor the covenant with the ancestors. Oh, wait a minute, God. 
You mean to tell me you respect the people's ancestors when you yourself is the God? Why does God respect the ancestors? Because the very first word in Genesis is talking about battle shift can be translated into in your ancestors created Elohim. Battle shift, battle Elohim. So this don't mean, and let me bring it back here. I'm going to talk, I'm going to bring home with this one. What am I saying? I ain't saying that your daddy is over your mama. Let me be real clear with this. Because guess what? I'm going to tell you how wise the priest was in this Hebrew thing. Even though masculine plural sounds and with the im, we all know that im is feminine in the sound. Im means water. Mean means water in Hebrew. So in the Arabic, it's Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rahim, the beneficent, the merciful, Rahman, the merciful. You see what I'm saying? Since it's male, female, one is great and one is a little bit more merciful. The im, the feminine. So what the priest did, they said, listen, the sound or the noun would be a masculine noun, but when you describe it in this polarity, you will describe it with a feminine ending to give it balance. Huh? To give it balance. And the same is true with feminine plural endings. They end with oof. Vowel, which sounds like a U, and tau, the T, oof. Now, you're going to tell me, and you can just hear it, oof and eem, which one sounds masculine, which one sounds feminine? You know, good and well, eem sounds feminine, and oof is more of a masculine feel. Why did they do that? They did that to balance out the noun. If it's masculine up front, it's going to be feminine in the end. And the most perfect example of this is the masculine plural word, a masculine noun that says shalom means peace. And this is the most clear, perfect example when you see shin representing fire. Lamet is in the middle, which represents Libra, which means this is the constellation of the scales, your mayat, your balance. And then the last sound, meaning, is water. So in the word peace, you have fire balance, and water, someone who knows how to balance the male and female energy. That, in essence, is an ancestor. That's why the only time it was mentioned in Leviticus, that's why it was mentioned in the plural sense to give you the masculine aspect of creation, the beginning part, and the eem at the end, which is the mother, the materialization of the actualization or the materialization of the thought. Like both brothers said before me, we have to stop with the uh, degrading 
of the ancestors settle on the best part and always venerate those who came before you. Because guess what? There's some of them who uh, didn't reach lofty spiritual um, planes, although they did a great deed for humanity. There's people here at the graveyard, and we can go right now. They're stuck here, buddy. You can cut on your camera and get the flashing, get the, get, get the clicking. They're stuck. Eventually, what we got to get to, we got to become Ghostbusters around here, where we got to travel the world, and we got to push these souls up into a higher world. Hmm? Wonder why so much havoc down here. You got spiritual interference. What my man say? Don't even know it. So with that, I see. I go back to Minister Jew. The shape, the floor is open. You want to make any comments of your own before we go to the line? Man, um, nominal, nominal work, man. I just want you to mention. It's funny, man, because you are. Uh, Open the show up tonight <laughs> with the uh, with the mantra. <laughs> I know he was talking about. <laughs> when he was here. <laughs> when he was here. <laughs> and uh, we had the real folks standing up there doing those practices, and we got a we got a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh, man, man. Y'all, y'all gotta, y'all had to be there, man. I had to be there, man. Hey, no, no, what I want you to do, like I, I talked about how in, in that Noah story with Ham, how he could have witnessed something spiritual going on that, that, that mm-hmm. you know, he, he wasn't, he couldn't, he might not have been ready for at that time. Right. And, did you, and you talked about this earlier. Can you please tell the audience? You know, me and the Prime Minister stay in spiritual conversation. And, you know, it, 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 I know you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Um, um, you know, my son, my, um, my youngest son, uh, at this particular time, man, let me see, this cat is about to be eight, so this cat was about five, uh, maybe six, and, and, and my daughter is three, you know. And uh, I'm in the room, and I think I just got through performing one of the um, pentagrams, um, which banishes negative energy. All right, so he walks in the room. And he see me in the zone. I probably got a, you know, a, a, I'm probably got a cape on to him. And, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing my work and I'm um, doing, you know, intonations of the divine names and stuff. And I hear him, my daughter in the hallway, and I hear him go tell my daughter, he said, he called my daughter, everybody called my daughter Mama, but he called her Mamas with an S. He, be like, he was like, Mamas, daddies is crazy. He was serious, you know. He was, he was, he was saying, and he, he did it real low key. He was like, "Mama, daddy's is crazy," you know. 
So, you know, that's what we were laughing about because he walked in on the experience, and he's like, what the hell is this dude doing? You know what I mean? But, but see, what's interesting is with this cat, because he's a Pisces, I can call him downstairs right now if he's still woke. This cat will walk up to you and be like, number three, and what he's doing is he's challenging me. He is saying a number, and I'm supposed to tell him what the planetary vibration is to that number. So if he say three, I'm supposed to say Jupiter because I taught him planetary numerology, and I also taught it to him on his palms. So he's the one that comes up to me and, and, and drills me, but he's the one that's heavily interested in science and be sitting there like he's the avatar meditating now, typical Pisces and whatnot. So, you know, I was seeding him, you know, so he's super good to go, man. But, yeah, that's what happened, man. He dang sure did. said, man, mama's daddy's is crazy. But <laughs> no. that's what happens sometimes when you when you when you might see something spiritually that you not might not have a full understanding of. You know what I mean? So I just wanted him to to elaborate on that man and congruence with the Noah story. But uh is the shape still with us? Okay, yeah, still I'm still here, go to the switchboard. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Did you have anything else you want to add before maybe we open the lines up for a little while and see if anybody got any questions or comments? No, um, I, I can't add to this, brother. We we have done. Well, let me say this: the divine has really used us properly, and uh, I believe coming from the pre the three perspectives, you both. Uh, just magnificent. You've done wonderful work. And uh, I think that with the three of us talking, we should have covered all bases of all the people that are listening, the different types of people that are listening. And we should, everyone should go away from this talk tonight with something they can use, with something that they can fuel their souls with, you know. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's food here tonight, not only for the right brain, but also for the left brain. There's enough here for everyone to have mm-hmm. a feast. So, mm-hmm. man, and about your son there, Noble, that's a, that's what we ought to do, brother. You know, make our sons to be a better reflection than you and I were. Right. And if you give this to right. him now, when he gets older, He'll be an energy Gaston. He'll be so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I'm attempting to do with my son as well, to make him, not make him into anything, just to guide him into what he is to become. He's already that. Right. It's my job to do the guiding. So right. I'm yeah. ready to hear the questions. So let's, let's see what the people have for it. Let's go for it. Eight four eight six two eight. You on the line? What's your name? Oh hey guys. Um, I just wanted to say uh, that was a really great um lecture. My name is Vickens, by the way, um uh, from Jersey. Um, What's up, that was Vickens? really great. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, I really resonated with uh everything you guys were saying, and um, it was really powerful. Um, so I really appreciate it. Um, I didn't have a question, but I just want to say thanks. Well, thank you for the support. We definitely appreciate it. Thank no you. Doubt. Thank you. No doubt. 
Thank you. Okay, Becky. All right, man. I think we're going to Kyrie to Gemini. We'll keep Gemini. Three, three, six, five, eight, seven. What's happening? Peace, peace. What's going on, Coach? Peace, folks. And then to but to do it, uh, peace to the Sheik, peace to, to the minister, the, the three wise men. I didn't have to give props first because. Y'all put a demonstration down, you know, not many people can just make me sit here and be quiet. So I really enjoyed, you know, just digesting the night. And uh, the air triangle was in full effect. So from the ruler to the tutor, I was I was a little surprised, Ampoo, that you kept calm. But I seen the shack, he was popping off tonight. So maybe that was where the energy was at. I didn't even go look and see where it was. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know that's my first teacher, so when he do that I get to I get to go into this other area that I've been wanting to get to. I can calm down. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Good, good, good. I'm well I'm hey, I gotta uh, I gotta make sure I catch these more often then, you know what I'm saying? So I can uh, so I can catch that laid back uh, Aquarius energy. But um, yeah. I just wanted to like um, just 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 add a small piece about um, like why I came because it's just been a recent maybe like a year and a half that I've been um, like a lot deeper into ancestral worship where it comes to um, it started out with the money you know the ancestral money and. The other day I just picked up a book by um, called The Art of Wealth by Thomas Cleary. So Thomas Cleary is one of my favorite authors with The Art of War and whatnot. And in the very beginning it said, money talks even in hell. Mm. And most people, when they look at the ancestor money, they say, hey, man, you know, it says hell bank notes. You know, why does it say hell banknotes? You know, and a lot of our ancestors are in a hellish condition. And hell is just like a club at times. I've heard Dr. York um, um, give an example in 1992 about hell being like a club and being a place that you go to to attend. And, you know, it's always a gatekeeper at the door. But no matter what state in the United States that you've been to, the gatekeeper got a price. You know, if you got the right money, you can come to the front and you automatically become a VIP and you can come on up out of there. And you can come out of there through you can you can move through the gate through deeds, you know, you got into this club through deeds, you can get out of this club through deeds. And it's the same way with um our um lack of responsibility, like the debt follows us when we die. See, we as a people from from my research, we in a position because I see all other cultures taking care of their ancestors mon- monetarily, but we don't take care of ours monetarily. We give them crystals and we give them incense and we give them liquor and we give them water, and but we're not giving them no money, you know. And I always say for ancestral worship. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you know. So can you make it out here with no money is is a very simple question. And the ancestors on the other side, they carry that debt. So some people say, oh, well, 
You know, how did your father carry $36,000 to get to the other side? Because it was the habit. It was the habit that he took with him. That The habit, you can't escape the habit. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, when you talk about these walk-ins or somebody being ridden, you know, sometimes people go and they're in front of their altar or in front of their shrine and they want to be ridden by an ancestor, which is a form of possession. It's not evil. It's just, you know, some people have that um, capability more than others. Some people uh, don't have that. I mean, everybody has the capacity, but somebody has, some people have it at a higher level than others. And um, so that particular habit that my father had of not knowing how to manage debt, he took that with him just like an urge to smoke cigarettes. So sometimes you may be around you're like, man, why do I just want to smoke a cigarette? That may be one of your ancestors who smoked cigarettes. And, you know, offering your ancestor a pack of cigarettes on the altar in front of their picture will alleviate the desire in you to want to smoke because it may not be something that you want to do. Like lately, I've been having this sugar craze, and it's not good for my tooth. So maybe one of my ancestors want me to go get them a five-pound bag of sugar. Guess what? They can get that. Because the phrase is, it's better to feed your ancestors than to have them feed off of you. Now, I, never, I didn't really understand that until I started thinking about it. And um, I was like, yo, when you drop and change or you spilling food, you ain't got no altar set up, that means that's, they want the energy of what that currency carries. You know, they want the energy of what that food carries. And when I started putting money on the altar, when I started putting, when I started burning ancestor money, when I started putting food, primary and secondary offerings on the, on, on the altar, the quality of my life home changed almost, well, you know, for me, three months is immediately. Because if I'm in my 40s, three months ain't no time. 90 days is nothing. So, um, and, this, and the story I share is, Let's say you want this Nikon camera and it costs you $1,500 and you got $1,300 saved up. And Minister Jew owes you $500, but he's not going to pay you until Thursday when he get paid. So you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to have some money left over. You're going to give me that five, I'm going to have some money left over. And then that Tuesday, the transmission go out. And you got to be at work Wednesday. And so the man said, yo, I can fix your car for you, but it's going to be $1,100. Now, you got a choice. All of a sudden, you can say, well, I'm going to still get that camera, and the car just going to sit there. But guess what? Now you lose your job. Now you lose more money. That was your ancestors because they need that on the other side, and they're sitting there looking at you saying, yo, you hoarding. you hoarding. And we're upset about it because just because you don't have a body don't mean you can't have an attitude. And so when you appease them, then now – they are pleasant, and then they want more pleasant things to happen for you. I always look at it like in jail. When I was locked up and nobody sent me no money, I was like, oh, when I hit the streets, don't ask me for nothing. Don't ask me for nothing. So we got to ask our ancestors for something, but we ain't putting nothing in their pocket. But the person who did send me something, you know what I'm saying? I'm... Um, where you go, Coach? You still there? Ah, uh, call dropped. <clears throat> he called back in. 
Anybody else got any questions, comments, press 1. We'll wait for Coach to come back in. But while we wait on that, we're going to give you the um, our next show's topic that the Shake picks. So go ahead, Shake. Tell them what the next topic is. Our next topic uh, in two weeks will be the language of marriage, the language of marriage. And we will discuss um, marriage and how to communicate in that sacred union and the necessity of that sacred union. And it will be no holds barred. I want to talk personally, myself, I want to talk about the things that are very difficult to talk about. You know, I'm a 25-year veteran of marriage. So I, I know something about it. So I got I got a lot to say. And uh, I married Ann Poole. So I got a lot to say. And... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take off the velvet, you know, and just really say it because I can't hold it any longer. There are some things that need to be said, and the brothers have to listen, and the sisters have to listen, and we really gotta change our perspective. And everyone has to live within their role, because if we're not playing our role, then the play ain't gonna come out right. Everybody's got a role. You need to find out what that is and live within it and you can have harmony in your life. But that's for the next show. Uh, be prepared mm-hmm. to tune in and listen to it. We got something for you, that little newlywed Jew over there. Coach, you you there? Oh, hey, 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 hey. That's right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> right up my alley. I couldn't have thought of a better show. <laughs> Man, that's what they had. Coach, Coach, you, you back with us? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I just, um, so when I receive, you know, when you've been in a position when the spirits, let's say they haven't been receiving, and then all of a sudden you get something, the first thing they're going to say is, yo, I'm getting ready to look out for that cat because that's our spirit, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, even when you look in the circle seven, it talks about, you know, uh, repayment of a debt. So, or, you know, when somebody looks out for you, how, you know, keep it circulating. So when our parents had extra, when our ancestors were here locally and had extra, so did we. But when our parents didn't have extra, then neither did we. So I say, well, now I'm in the power of a position where I can provide for them. It was wise for me and a good move. And all of a sudden, I started seeing a difference, like, immediately. Like I said, uh, me, like, I stopped losing. You know, I mean, like, I'm talking about years and years and years. But when I would lose some bread, I would just be like, oh, well, I just have to make it up some more or whatever. I mean, like, money just, especially being in the streets, $1,000 could get missing or four or $500 could get missing. Or I even get robbed or something, and I'd just be like, Wow. How do you protect yourself from that? You protect yourself from that by invoking and empowering your spiritual teammates. That's what I call my ancestors now. They're my spiritual teammates and my spiritual coworkers. If I make sure that they got, then they got extra room to make sure I got. And then we start to look at other nations, like when Jude was talking about the Chinese, they own the United States. You know, they ain't taking no loans out from nobody else. They're not in no debt. They're running the whole game out here. And why? Because they're one of the 
civilization that has never put a pause on taking care of their ancestors financially, financially. And it's a lot of people in, in, in our community who don't look at it as saying, well, our ancestors, they died. Hey, forget that. That ain't my social security number. You know what I'm saying? Get it how you live. And then we and and, and we don't look at it as that's something that we need to take care of. But I really want to um, ask, really be serious about, um, like, doing something, $20 bill for grandmother or $5 bill or put some type of monetary up there for your um, ancestors so they will be able to receive the energy of the money. Like, we really got a messed up head about money is only good for burning and it's fiat currency and stuff like that. Your ancestors don't know anything about fiat currency. They don't know anything about that. They know that that was determining the lifestyle, the level of lifestyle. And unless you were some super, super clairvoyant, then you don't really know how they living on the other side. Or even if you do feel them reaching out to you in, in, in their dreams and their suffering, then they crying out, maybe you could give them something on some finances. So, like, if you were in a Chinatown, especially if you were in Philly, you can go through the Chinatown and pick up some ancestor money. If you online, you can type in Josh Paper. Like, like look and see, man. And, like, people sometimes get caught up with, oh, well, there's no, you know, my face ain't on that paper. Yeah, man, but Abraham Lincoln is not your granddaddy neither, but it works wherever you go. You know what I'm saying? If you went to the temple or the mosque or the church or wherever you at and you putting dollars in that plate or you paying the light bill, that's Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and them that's on the front of them bills. So it's carrying a certain energy that doesn't have anything to do with the jade emperor whose face is on it. People get caught up with that and say, oh, I'm not doing that. Well, I say it's so easy that if it don't work, you only end up in the same position you are now. But what if you try it and it does work? So I'm asking that people be a little less resistant and try that. You know, don't keep burning up a lot of 20s, though, because that could hurt your own pockets. There's a denomination of money that you can put out there for your ancestors that can uplift them in the realm that they're in. And a lot of people say, well, how do they get the money? When you burn paper, what does it turn into? Ampoo or Jew or Sheik? It turns into carbon. It turns into carbon. That's a life form. You know, it, it, it's transformed into the etheric realm, and especially if you energize it before you burn it. Energize it, say a prayer over it, or what I do is I take a red pen and I do like a check, and I write the ancestor's name on that bill that I want to send it to. And so I just want to... Um, Employ that particular technique. If somebody wants to try it, if they cool with their situation where they at right now, then uh, that's fine. That's just my story on um, what has worked for me. I got a video on it. If somebody wants to look at it on YouTube, they can just go to ancestormoney.info and it'll take them to the video. I'm working. Somebody else asked me today, and I actually like walk through actually burning some money because people are saying like. You know, I want to know how to put my altar up and things like that. So I got a part two to the video that I'm, I'm going to try to work on tonight or tomorrow and get it up on YouTube. So it will probably be on that same on that same page, ancestormoney.info. And then if anybody's got, like, some questions on that, you know, they could just inbox me or shoot me an email. Cool. All right. 
Right. It is, man. Powerful stuff, man. Stay, stay right there, Coach. Stay right there, man. Um, call up from the 248-979. What's your name? What's happening? What's going on, everybody? This Rich Black, man. What's going on? What up? What up, Rich? What's good? Brother, how you doing? Y'all get to talk about money, you got my ears ringing. Man, you know how you know how Coach do? Yeah, yeah, Coach K, you know, he 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 he, he, he chopped your head up for some of the dollars. Now, <laughs> I got to back him up because, you know, he kind of inspired me because I just moved in my new apartment, like I said, about four months ago. And mm-hmm. I got to go back to, I don't know, do you remember that super moon in 2012? It was in the month of May. Yeah, it was, I remember. That was um, 5-6-2012. Now, that's yeah, my man. late mother's, that's my late mother's birthday. And that super moon was in Scorpio. And I am a Scorpio. And my 11-year-old son, which would be 11 February 6th, he's an Aquarius, and his mother is a Leo. So I'm dealing with the fixed cross, like mm-hmm. I've been saying for the long Now, but what was interesting, I have the backup Coach K. What it is, I got my mother's death certificate from the county courthouse, correct? Mm-hmm. And... The beginning digits on her birth certificate, which is a bond, is my current address, which I live on Third Street in Laurel. Which Laurel is like you say when you when you vibrate those 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 certain words together, it vibrated out to the um, same number as well. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now now what's coincidentally, which nothing is a coincidence, my dad. My dad wasn't married to my mom. My dad is married to another woman. But what's interesting, before my mother passed, when my mother passed away, my dad took a photo of my mother in a farm-like environment. She was sitting on, um, you know how you got pumpkins around Thanksgiving, like a harvest-type setting? Mm-hmm. She's sitting on a stack of hay in a photo. That's what's on my altar. She's sitting on a stack of hay in a photo with her legs crossed, but in the, behind, in the photo... There's a scarecrow in the back. So it took me three years to look at a picture because they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So when I seen the scarecrow, I thought about the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And that's what's on my altar, you know, because my mother was a Taurus, and, you know, Taurus is, is Venus, and rule, which rules money. Mm-hmm. So... That is very, very powerful because I just experienced that because, like, the streets that I live on represents, it represents wealth. And in 601, it comes to illuminating intelligence, which is mm-hmm. the, um, the 14th path, the Chokma and the Bina path, the high priestess path. Mm-hmm. So so that's the backup coach. Hey, man, he's right up on me. I'm going to get that ancestral book money. Um, coach, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of you, boy. I'm 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 gonna order all some books, so watch yourself. I'm I'm there. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I like it. And um to just add on to what he was saying, it's two birthdays that are good well, all right, for for burning ancestor money because that's what I tell people when they order money from me, I use their birthdays to pick out two two of the best days of the week to burn their ancestor money on. 
for their particular birthday. But if you know the day that your ancestor passed or their birthday, both of those are good days to burn on as well. So, like, my father passed on December the, um, he passed on December the 2nd. So, boom, that's a birthday into the astral world. So what do people want on their birthday? Some money. Nobody's going to turn down no money on their birthday. And then his birthday is August the 23rd. So, boom, I'm going to lace him up then. Why do I keep lacing him up? You know, why don't wait? Somebody look and say, well, boy, that's a $500 billion bill. How many of those are you going to give to your father? I said, I'm not going to question how much love or how much support he's going to give me. So it ain't no measure as long as I got, he got. Because I can't never remember the lights being off when I was little. I never remember the refrigerator, you know what I'm saying, being butt naked. You know what I'm saying? I always had something in there to eat, drink, somewhere to lay warm, all that. So now that I'm at the position of caring for ancestors, because for me, I forgot one, which one of y'all said that, but that was a heavy vibe that y'all dropped about, you know, we are one, and now, you know, we in a, uh, we in a parental position, you know, to take care of them so they can, you know, so they can, they, they are wider now. There are wider areas to work with us, you know, when, uh, when we empower them. You know, we strengthen them and get them out of positions, man. And, and for me, I didn't want, I wasn't taking no chances. So to say, well, oh, my daddy, he good. I was like, nah. So as soon as I took care of that, it started burning, you know, consistently, and things in my life started changing consistently. So keep that up, Lord, with uh, what you got popping off. That's a good look. <clears throat> Anybody else got hey, any questions? Press one. Well, go ahead, Jewel. You know, also, it's interesting that brother says 601, uh, the brother Rich Black. I remember I had an episode a few years back um, where I think I told you about this. No, it was actually on my birthday, actually. And um, it was a house where, how did the story go? It was a young lady who was looking for a money order. And, you know, she didn't, she, she couldn't speak English. And um, they, she, she came around on one block on Hickory Street, but she actually stayed on Broadway at 601 on Broadway. And um, by the time I made it over to deliver the mail, she had came around and um, it was somebody there that could translate what I was saying to her. But as, what, I, what I noticed was was that when I, when I approached the house, right before they came to the door, it was a bird's nest, a, a real small bird's nest, like right in the bush, right by the gate. And it was like these four blue eggs in there. And I, and I, I was looking like, it's got to be, where's, you know, what's going on? And I see these eggs. I'm like, you know, one of these birds and laid an egg. And um, and I came back a couple of days later, and um, some of them had hatched. And when I went to look at the address, 601, it came out to M or mother. And I know that the young man, Rich Black, was saying that his, um, you know, he, he was basing his whole, his, his, his whole dissertation there about the energy of his mother and, and how he was acquiring that on his altar and at his new place. So 601 is also M or mother in the Hebrew as well. You know what I mean? But that, but that just came by way of, of symbolism too. 
through an experience that I had while I was dealing with the mother principle, something was going on in my life, and um, the spirit world would speak to you that way. That, that lady came to me prior to let me know that it was, a, it was an experience that I was about to have where I was going to have to translate it into a whole other uh, meaning for me, you know, because she didn't speak no English. Then I had somebody had to come translate something for her. And this was right when I was getting into the Kabbalah and understanding the, the number patterns and how they, um, you know, how they exist and, and create realities for you here to understand spiritual concepts, you know what I mean? So I, I thought that was pretty profound, man. But just to, just to add to give him some more ammunition for what he's uh, to achieve, 601 also is mother, and I know that you were dealing with mother and what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, long story short, what's strange is, like, my child support payment to my um, son's mother sent it off the week, I'll say, a couple of days before Christmas. I, I mailed it off because I mailed it off. And um, the money order is missing. And I went to the local post office like three days ago. I got the um, receipt and the tracking number and everything, and the postmaster told me to wait about 30 days if I have to get a refund and everything. She contacted the state, you know. It was like two or three days after the snowstorm because the state was cold for a couple of days. You know, she's been on my head like, where's the money order and all? And I said, I said you know, I'm not worried. Because when you're dealing with the spiritual realm, you already know what it be about that individual on the other end of the matrix is on a whole other perspective as far as money and lifestyle and everything. And I'm over here on the sports dimensional perspective. It's like, you know, how Coach K say, honor your ancestors. And what I'm thinking, and just to come across my mind, is to take my mother's death certificate, which has a number that's vibrating far as to this current address, and place it on the altar because the bond there's a bond on there. We're talking about paper currency, of course, with, you know, dead presidents and everything, but let's talk about that big money. See, that's that money that the Chinese government owned, too. They got bonds on the United States where there's bonds on us. That's about right. it. Right, 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 true. That, that's a phenomenal synchronicity that you got. It's actually one of my favorites. And um, I'm going to have to explain that at a later date of what took place from Mama being Taurus. There's a, there's, there's, there's a Scorpio full moon, super moon that took place, which means the sun was in Taurus. But, but the, you know, I mean, a, there's a lot of sync. That's, that's some planetary magic um, manifestation at, at, the, at, at, at its height. Man, but everybody stay right there. 202-403, you on the air. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank Hello. You, Stardust. Hey, hey, what's up, Stardust? How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Good, good. I had a question that came up when Coach was talking about um, ancestors and um, burning the money. I'm wondering, since there are so many, most people have had a lot of people to transition. Is there, like, in order of importance, um, should you honor them collectively? Um, if you honor them individually, do others get jealous? 
if you don't, you know, if you don't look out for them. You hear that, Coach? Can she repeat that? Well, okay. My question was, should you honor the ancestors collectively? Um, in the case that you can't do everybody individually as far as offering money. Oh, that's an excellent. Do, I'm sorry, And go ahead. do the ancestors get jealous if you do for one and don't do for the other one? I want to answer that backwards. Yo, that's the best question. That's I was telling somebody about this the other day. I'm going to answer the second part first. Everybody write this down. Ancestors are not niggas anymore. Ancestors are not niggas anymore. Ancestors ain't niggas no more. They ain't tripping like that. They ain't tripping. They ain't tripping. They like, yo, it's all good. You know, the, the ancestor uh-huh. know that you got the money. The ancestor may influence you. That ancestor might show, show up to you on a dream and be like, peace. What's up, niece? What's up, daughter? You know, what's going on? And then all of us, what you do is, this is how I start to make sure, you know, I used to have that nigga syndrome too, thinking that my ancestors were just like niggas. So what I would do is I start with those who fed me. Whose mm-hmm. who's table did I put my feet up under? I start right there. That way, I, that way for sure, I know ain't nobody gonna get upset. Then right. I do the whole. Then I do the whole family crest. So I know I have my family crest. Come from the mm-hmm. from the Carter side, and I go back. So I put the crest, and I put food in front of the crest, and I say, all the Carters, and really, oh, this for everybody. You can go to um, freeafricanamericans.com. It's like a a, a a website database that's got all the surnames of, like, most of us, you know, in the United States. And you can go back and, like, find people in your lineage. You know what I mean? But at least mm-hmm. go back as far as you can. And what you do, let's say you got a billion-dollar bill. You don't have to burn a billion-dollar bill for every ancestor. You can put all their names on the billion. So let's say I got a billion-dollar bill. And remember, the ancestors ain't been getting nothing. They ain't been getting, let's say your mother has six children, and then she got grandchildren, and then you're the only one who burned her ancestor money. She can't trip. She can't trip. And ancestors are not greedy on the other side, like, oh, I got some money, you ain't got no money, I ain't going to look out for you. Ancestors ball out. They buy the bar out, too. You know, if they got excess uh-huh. and they got enough to help you, they got enough to help other ancestors, too. And another question some people ask, what you might be thinking is, you know what I'm saying, uh, what if... Um, what if me and that ancestor didn't get along? What if that was the mean right, ancestor? Right. Well, you don't you don't have no um, you don't have no obligations to that particular ancestor, especially if y'all didn't have no link while you was down here. Like, especially mm-hmm. if you taking care of an ancestor. Let's say like um, one of my uncles who I did who I never met. My uncle died before I before I ever met him, but I'm taking care mm-hmm. of my grandmother. If my uncle was a mean person, my grandma's not gonna let him raise no hand against me. She's not gonna she's not gonna be getting all that help from me and then let him because she she got direct access to him because they both are on the ancestry around together. So right. just just remember that our ancestors are not niggas, man. They don't trip and because our ancestors because because angels don't trip like that either. Like that's like saying Minister Jew 
he's a he's an Angel Michael specialist. So do you think the Angel Raphael is is uh is jealous because Jew is taking care of the Angel Michael? No, that's a human component. That's a human mm-hmm. component. So they don't carry that right there. So the answer is a definite no. And then you also can put like all the pictures in a photo album if you want, and you can pray over that one album. Like if it start getting crowded, like mine now is mm-hmm. kind of crowded. If I had somebody else. I'm going to have about a photo album. Like right now, everybody got like an 8 by 10 or 3 by 5 or 4 by 6. So I hope that helped. That was a good question. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that, that helped. That helped. Um, and as far as food is concerned, how long do you leave it out? It's two offerings. You got the primary and you got the um, you got the secondary. So secondary food is food that won't spoil, like a pumpkin or a sweet potato or uh, cookies or some chocolate. Those you can leave out for, for, for weeks at a time, sometimes months, because the altar will start to preserve the food. But the primary offering is they eat when you eat. So if I cook, like I'm getting ready to go ahead and cook tonight, they're going to get something to eat. They, and, and you don't have to fix them a whole plate. Like fix them their plate because they just need the energy off of it. And if I, let's say you got three, three meals a day, you only got to make them one plate for the whole day. And then you take it the next day, you cook in your food, go get that plate, and make sure that the same plate goes to them every time so they know that that's their plate. This is, this, this is your plate, Grandma, and this is your plate, ancestors. Take that food, go give it to a tree, because trees represent money. All the trees rule all the money on the planet. So now you're giving one offering and serving your ancestors and then it's serving the trees as well. And you come in, wash the plate, and take it like a spoonful. So yesterday I had I had grits, I had some beans, and I had um I had a stew and I had a piece of mm-hmm. toast. So I just put a piece of toast on I I, I took the piece of toast and broke it in half. I put like two spoonfuls of grits, two spoonfuls of the stew, and two spoonfuls of the beans and went over there and gave that to um to um, Osiris or Osar. That was his plate for last night. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. All right, Stardust. Let's see what it is. I'm going to wrap it up, man. Shake had to go. He got an exam he had to study for, man. I definitely appreciate you, Rich Coach, the Prime Minister. Everybody, visit the websites, man, monstrologycoach.com. Just click on the events tab. And if you haven't by now, join the mailing list so we can keep you up to date. Uh, this, in fact, Sunday, I'm doing the last two shows. I'm going to do a two-in-one, lesson 11. Lesson 11 and 12 will be wrapped up into one so I can be done with Sundays for a minute so we can move on over into this next era where we're about to get into. So a lot of new stuff is coming up. But um, Prime Minister, go ahead, man, close us out. Hold on, I want to make sure everybody know about the Toel Love Fund, man. Ample, you be forgetting, man. I don't know. Oh, no, man. Man, no, that, that's the prime minister, man. I don't be. Uh, oh, my bad. Okay, go ahead, prime minister. My fault. My fault. My fault. My fault. I'm just co-signing it, that. It, that hey, it, it is your payout. I heard, coach. I heard you getting paid next. Matter of fact. Whatever, man. I don't, I don't, know, I don't I, even know if you knew that. No, I, I don't. No, I don't no. want to sign up, man. It ain't. It ain't about the coach. It's about the energy that that the minister puts behind that, man. That's my favorite, man. I love. I love when oh, I see man. when I get that going. Do you ain't telling that? Yeah, no, Coach coming up for um, the first payment in March, so he's on the next cycle. Uh, the payment's coming out. Uh, the, well, first, let me address everybody properly. 
The Toil Love Fund, for those that don't know what it is, uh, it's a fund that we created two years ago. Matter of fact, the anniversary is coming up on the 24th of this month. So it'll be two years. Um, we started the fund a couple years back, and basically what it is is people sign up, you donate $13 a month, and every month we dump the account out and pay four to six people's bills every single month. Um, so, you know, it's a phenomenal tool. Every time somebody gets a payout, it's always like, man, it was right on time. And the reason that we did it was it, it was inspired by a brother named Vincent who was going through some stuff uh, financially, and he called and I pulled myself, and he was looking for some assistance. And, you know, we just appreciate him even looking at us in that light to help. You know what I mean? And um, from that, I just told Noah, I said, we need to start a fund where we can help people that support us inside of the community and abroad, uh, you know, the least we could do is create a fund where we can pay, you know, people's bills, you know what I mean? So you get light bill, gas bill, telephone, you know, small utility bills, but it all comes in handy. Or you can take the money and do whatever you want to do with it. It's your choice, you know what I mean? We can mail it to you via electronically if you got a PayPal account. Sometimes people would rather me pay their bill with it and they give me the information. Uh, the, the company who I need to call to make a payment on behalf of the Toel members. We send out we send out monthly recordings to the rest of the group uh, from the people who got payouts, you know, to show the appreciation, the gratitude, the love, the support, you know, and all that. So um, that's a Toel love fund. We're interested in it. It's something progressive, and it creates a positive resonance, man, of energy between people, good camaraderie, man. Uh, people that don't even know one another that are participating in something great, something good that helps somebody else that they don't even know. That's the real form of giving. That's a real form of, a form of tithing. Helping people that you don't even know from A to Z um, goes a long way. So it's the 12 Love Fund. You're interested in it, get to the website. Click on the tab. Uh, you'll see it there, 12 Love Fund. So be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, coach you up in March. So, after this pay cycle goes out on the 1st of February, the payments always go out on the 1st. I'm never late, haven't been late one day in two years on the 1st, and I plan on keeping it that way. Um, that's what it is, man, so if you're interested, join. But other than that, man, just get to the website. Get with us in Louisiana, New Orleans. You know what I mean? We're going to be down there. we really going to turn the lights out, you know. Super Bowl, the lights went out, but we're going to go down there and turn the lights out. You know what I mean? And do what we got to do on the spiritual tip, how we do it to activate the grid. Um, so get down there on that, man. Other than that, man, we got some phenomenal, phenomenal new material coming out. We're taking it to a different place, man. Uh, and we're going we to meet everybody halfway. We're going we gonna to come down, pull you out the clouds, and we ain't going to totally touch the earth, but we're going to meet right there in the middle where these things can be practical and spiritual at the same time where you can understand that dynamic and really, really benefit to feel that energy of the spirit world and be able to see it manifest for you in, in this physical world that we live in. So just be on the lookout, man. Stay with us on this radio show every other Thursday. Y'all heard the title of the topic. We're going to get into this marriage thing, and whew, that's going to be a doozy. I can see it right now. But uh, outside of that, man, that's it, man. And uh, we catch up with y'all in a couple weeks.
Yeah, that's what it is. Hit the website, click on membership tab, and it's a new, it's something new up there called the New RE Land Project. Uh, we'll be seeking investors for Detroit. For my man Rich Black, at they're looking rich for hooking us up with the sister with the um that that do the real estate up there. So as you know, Detroit is in financial shambles. Property is real low right now. Great investment opportunity. This is for your children's children. This is something that's gonna pay off in the long run where you can go in and buy a city. All right. So just um check out the website myastrologycoach.com. Click on the membership tab and scroll down to the new RE Land Project. And um, holler at us because, like the Prime Minister said, we're going to meet y'all halfway and we're doing some physical, spiritual things, the two are one. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's what it is, man. Hit my man Coach up, man. Hit him up. Coach Kaya. Relaxation is the key is one of the sites, but Coach Kaya Love on Facebook, man. And with that, man, we holler at y'all. Peace. Peace.